Hello, romance book lovers. Welcome to Tales from the Heart. I'm Jenna Hart, and each week I post new episodes from my stories of crime and passion. Right now we're listening to Old Flames Never Die, book two of the Valentine Mysteries. This week is episode eight, chapter 13, where Tess and Daniel go on the hunt for whoever tried to kill her, and we ponder about Jack's whereabouts. Now, if you'd like to read along or get ahead in the story, you can get Old Flames Never Die from your favorite ebook retailer or save by buying direct from me. You can visit jennahart.com forward slash valentine for all the details. Now, Old Flames Never Die is the second book in the Valentine Mystery series. If you missed book one, Deadly Valentine, you can listen by checking earlier episode postings, or if you'd like to read it, you can get Deadly Valentine free at my website, jennahart.com. Now, Tales from the Heart is posted to podcast platforms and YouTube each week. These episodes are edited to censor out intimate content. But if you'd like to have a version that includes these spicier bits, plus get early access to the episodes, behind-the-scenes information about stories, bonus content, and more, you can join me over at Ream Stories. Learn more at reamstories.com forward slash Jenna Hart. Now, never miss the mystery of romance by hitting the subscribe button. And remember that all the details and links you might need are just a click away in the description. Now, snuggle up, get comfy, and enjoy the show. Chapter 13 So what did you think? Daniel drove away from the Danforth home on the way to see Bobby Wilson. I don't like him. As a person or for the murder? Daniel glanced over at her. Both. I was disturbed by his wife at first, but the more Kevin spoke, the more I thought she had the right idea. If I were married to him, I'd drink myself into a stupor too. Daniel laughed. Why do you think she laughed at the mention of Liv? I don't think she was involved in the same conversation we were. Tess rested her elbow on the sill of the car. It's sad. Why do people live like that? Money. Kevin had that right. You know about that yourself. Tess nodded. She did know about that. Her parents were the epitome of the rich couple who hated each other, but who could win an Oscar for ability to keep up appearances. So, let's talk about Wilson again. Tess had told Daniel about the mineral rights and mining on the way to the Danforths, but reviewed it for him again. How much money do you think Kyanite is worth? Daniel turned onto the road Wilson's businesses was on. I haven't been able to do too much research, but it's used in industrial materials, so it seems like it could be a lot. And it could be where Danforth planned to get quick cash for those horses. Tess nodded. So where does that leave Wilson? It leaves him with nothing until they decide to build on or sell the land. But it could take years. Wilson made it sound like he and Danforth were friends. But what kind of friend would do that? It's cold. Tess agreed. What happens to the partnership with Danforth dead? Any chance he gets the money from mining? He wouldn't get any of the mining money unless it's in Danforth's will. What happens to the partnership depends on several factors. In some cases, the living partner has to buy the deceased partner's share. Or the deceased partner can will his portion to the other partner. So Wilson loses either way? Maybe. Probably. Tess couldn't know for sure what would happen with the partnership and property without seeing the agreement, contracts, and the will. But after all she'd learned about Danforth, it seemed likely his friend Wilson would be out of luck. Anger and revenge are as powerful a motive as money. Tess nodded, 
and took a moment to gather her thoughts for the next bit of information she needed to tell Daniel. Did the senator tell you why he wanted to talk with Jack last night? No. I figured it was Worthington business and I tried to avoid that. Tess shifted in her seat. He wanted Jack to find out if Liv wanted to sell the land in Bucks County. Really? Daniel glanced at her. Is he into land development? Daniel shook his head. More likely he knew about the mining. He sighed. I guess I'll need to talk to him. Daniel was quiet as they continued to drive. So, is that why Jack left angry last night? No. We left because the senator insinuated that Jack was having an affair with Liv. Daniel snorted. You think that's funny? She already felt bad because she wasn't sure that Jack wouldn't see her telling Daniel what the senator had said to him as a betrayal. She didn't need Daniel making light of Jack's feelings. No, I think it sounds like something my grandfather would say. I can't blame Jack for being mad about that, or for not wanting to be a part of the family. If I had a choice, I might opt out as well. Except your parents. They make it tolerable to be part of the Worthington family. He grinned, and Tess smiled back. Daniel was a broody man who kept his feelings to himself, but there was no doubt that he loved his parents. She loved them, too. Daniel maneuvered the SUV into the parking lot outside Bobby Wilson's construction office. Look at that. Daniel pointed to the black truck parked in front of Wilson's office. Based on what you found out, Wilson has the most motive to want Charles and you dead. I wonder if that's his truck. Tess ignored the shiver that slid down her spine as the memory of the truck and gun replayed in her mind. Let's find out. They were met by Wilson's secretary. He's on the phone right now, but I'll let him know you're here when he gets off. Is that his black truck outside? Daniel asked her. Yeah, why? Has he been out of the office today? Sure. He has to visit the sites to see how things are going. What about in Bucks County? Did he visit that site? Daniel asked. She frowned. I guess so. Why? Do you have a way of checking? What's this about? Her face pinched into disapproval. He had an appointment with someone from the county about the land he and Mr. Danforth were developing. What time was that appointment? Daniel asked. Around lunchtime, Mr. Wilson wanted to swing by between his stops to Georgia Springs and Dillwood. Tess wondered if Wilson met with the same people she'd talked to, and if those people had mentioned her visit. Even if they did, why would it lead Wilson to want her dead? Unless, of course, he killed Danforth and felt she was getting too close to figuring that out. Mr. Wilson can tell you more. He's off the phone. I'll let him know you're here. I think I told you all I know, Wilson said as he motioned for Tess and Daniel to sit. We just have a few more questions, Daniel said. Okay. Wilson dropped into his chair. His expression appeared weary, not nervous or concerned. Do you know why construction was stopped on the Bucks County project you had with Mr. Danforth? Some sort of issue with the land. As the construction specialist, isn't that something you should know about? Tess couldn't believe he wouldn't understand the mineral rights issue. Chuck was the leader of this project. My job was just to send the workers when all the permits and such were ready to go. What about after you started clearing? 
a few times until Chuck said there was a problem and we needed to stop. Because of some issue with the land? Wilson shifted in his seat, giving Tess the impression that he was uncomfortable with the line of questioning. Yes. And you weren't interested in knowing what that issue was? Daniel pressed on. What's all this about? Wilson scowled. I've answered all the questions. We've discovered that Mr. Danforth stopped the construction project for personal reasons. You're talking about the mining? Yes. In Tessa's mind, Wilson's admission of knowing about the mining made him look guilty unless he thought someone else was mining the land. I'll admit, that was mighty underhanded of Chuck. He stopped. You think I killed him over that? We're just gathering information, Daniel said. Well, I'll be. You do. Or at least I'm a suspect. Well, let me clear that right up, because I've got me an alibi. You do? Sure. I was fishing, remember? He nodded to Tess. I told your assistant all about it. Tess frowned. She wasn't an assistant. Did anyone see you fishing? I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. But I did stop at the last stand and got me some bait. What time was that? Daniel asked. About 6.45 or so. The distance to the last stand was about 45 minutes. Since Charles was killed around noon, there was plenty of time for Wilson to fish and still get back in time to commit murder. Anyone else see you? She asked. I was fishing. It's a solitary activity. How about on your way back? Daniel asked. Wilson shook his head. What time did you get back to Jefferson Tavern? Daniel asked. I guess about 11. Oh, I had the full load breakfast at Pearl's Diner at about 10. I have the receipt. I kept it because Pearl asked me about remodeling, which made that a business meeting for tax purposes. In her mind, Tess calculated the distance from Pearl's Diner and the Danforth property and determined that the timeline didn't completely clear him. Did you go down to Bucks County today? Daniel asked. Today? Why? I would think that with your partner gone, you'd want to resolve the issue in Bucks County. Daniel said. I haven't been to Bucks County. No reason to until this issue with the partnership is resolved, or so says my lawyer. Your secretary says you were there today. Wilson shrugged, but Tess could see the worry in his eyes. Why would you hide that from us? Daniel asked. The same reason a child lies to its mother. I don't want to get into trouble, especially for something I didn't do. I know you're thinking I killed Chuck, and I know this thing about the mining only makes it look worse for me. I can't believe you weren't angry at Danforth at what he did, Daniel said. Sure, I was mad, but I didn't kill him. But you could have. Your time fishing and breakfast at Pearl's Diner doesn't completely clear you. Tess said. When Wilson didn't respond, Daniel asked, Is that why you tried to kill Ms. Madison today? What? Wilson looked to Daniel and then to Tess. I haven't killed anybody or tried to kill anybody. Was she getting too close? No. Did the county people mention that she stopped by? Did you see her on the road and decide to make sure she couldn't tell anyone what Danforth had done to you? No, this is crazy. I never saw her, didn't even know she was there. How would I have known her car even? I was here a few days ago, Tess reminded him. 
His breath quickened, and his expression was somewhere between panic and disbelief. What you're insinuating is crazy. He took a long, deep breath. I'm calling my lawyer. Daniel shrugged, as if he didn't care one way or another. We're done here for now, but keep your lawyer on hand. Daniel rose from his chair. I may have more questions. I hate to admit it, but I get a little enjoyment out of making people squirm, Daniel said when they were back in the car. I don't think Wilson appreciated it. Yeah, well, Wilson should know better than to lie to the police. What's your impression? Daniel shook his head. I don't know. He doesn't seem smart enough to pull off a murder like Danforth's. What about my accident? Maybe. I don't think he could plan a murder, but I think he could kill as an impulse. If he knew you were investigating him and happened to see you on the road, he might try to kill you. Do you think there could be a connection between Liv and Wilson? She's definitely smart enough and he can probably follow directions. He cast a quick glance to Tess. Not quite ready to let Liv off the hook? I'll concede that maybe she isn't involved, but the new information about Wilson doesn't eliminate her either. What about you? You ready to absolve her? He shrugged. Maybe it was time to admit that Liv couldn't have been the killer. She had a rock-solid alibi and no good reason to want him dead. If her main goal in life was to live in luxury, it was better for her to stay married to Charles. Tess wondered if she conceded that Liv couldn't have been the killer, if things would improve with Jack. Daniel turned his car up Elm Street and toward his home. I was thinking you needed a car, so I was going to let you borrow mine since I have a police vehicle. Tess hadn't thought about a car and was touched that Daniel had, but that was Daniel. He looked out for her, even when she didn't always deserve it. Are you sure? You need a car, right? Yes, but you can take me to a rental place. I think my insurance covers a rental. He waved away her comment. He pulled into his driveway and parked. He wrangled the car key off his key ring and handed it to her. She took it, grateful for his help. It's strange that you haven't talked to Jack and told him about your accident. Tess looked out the window, not sure what to say. Daniel was her friend but he'd also vied for her love at one time, which had pitted him against Jack. Hey. Daniel took her hand, drawing Tess's attention back to him. I just want to help, if I can. She managed a smile. I know, and I appreciate it. Things with Jack are... complicated. Daniel studied her for a moment. Love usually is. He gave her a reassuring smile. If you need a friend to talk to or a shoulder to cry on, let me know. Tessa's first thought was to thank him and then head back to her hotel. But for some reason, she couldn't help but blurt. Do you think I'm jealous? That the history Liv has with Jack is clouding my judgment? Daniel cocked his head. Apparently, he thought she would thank him and leave, too. Maybe but I don't care about their history, and I still think something's not right about her story. He was silent for a moment and then asked, Want some dinner and then we can talk? Mom left me some casserole. He grinned. I can't help it if she likes to feed me, and I'm not about to refuse good southern cooking. So what do you say? Tess nodded. Okay. 
Tess sat at the kitchen table as Daniel put his mother's casserole in the oven. Want a soda or water? Wine is out because I know you're on medication. Soda. Diet if you have it. You know, no one could blame you for being jealous. Liv calls Jack like a damsel in distress. She's kiss. Tess's head jerked up to look at him. Daniel winced and turned away. I wanted to tell you, but I was afraid you'd think I was just trying to make things bad for you and Jack. It sounds like you knew. Daniel handed her a can of soda and took a seat across from her. Tess let out a short laugh. He thought you had called me that night. Her intention seems clear on that I'd have to agree with Shelby. He shook his head. Don't ever tell anyone that I just agreed with Shelby. Your secret is safe with me. Tess clinked her can of soda with his beer. That's not the only time Liv has kissed Jack. I caught her trying to lock lips with him in his office yesterday. Daniel's brows drew together. How does he allow that twice? Tess shrugged. I think he thinks when he says he's not interested, she'll get a clue. She's a woman on a mission and not you. Not even Jack will keep her from it. Tess was beginning to think he and Shelby were right. Your feelings of jealousy may not be about her trying to steal Jack. Maybe you're jealous that he sides with her. He feels he owes her. And what about you? What does he owe you? Weren't you the one who solved Asa Worthington's murder right when the police were getting ready to arrest him? Good point. Maybe Daniel was right. Maybe she was feeling defensive because Jack's loyalty was with Liv. When you say it like that, it does bother me that he automatically assumes she's telling the truth. So he thinks you're lying? I think he thinks I'm jealous and trying to make her look bad in his eyes. Are you? No. She looked at Daniel in the eyes. I really feel she's guilty. I have no proof. In fact, the evidence indicates I'm wrong. But Daniel, there is something... something that we're missing. Like what? He shifted from friend to cop mode, and she was glad for it. She needed to get her mind on the case. She still hasn't said she didn't do it. Don't you find that odd? Yes, but it doesn't make her guilty. You know that? I know. I need to go over everything again. Daniel shook his head. Tenacity. She grinned. My middle name. Tess and Daniel ate dinner as the old friends they were, and she was grateful for it. It helped to sort out her feelings. And it took her mind off the fact that Jack still hadn't called. After dinner, she stopped by her house to check the progress. Building contractors often got a bad rap, but Tess's crew seemed to be the exception. They weren't always on site when she was there, but their work was evident. Another week or two and the house would be finished. That was a good thing, because with Jack AWOL, it appeared she would need a place to live. She headed back to her hotel room and contemplated calling Jack again. She couldn't decide if she was worried or irritated that he hadn't called her back. Ultimately, she decided he'd call when he was ready. She wanted to go over the case notes, but first she needed to go over her finances. She had at least six months' worth of savings if she lived frugally. If absolutely necessary, she could tap into her trust. She shivered at the thought. She had no intention of using her family money. It would be a sign of defeat that she was sure her father would lord over her. Still, the last few months of not working had been relaxing. With Jack, she'd had a long vacation, and it was easy to want to live like that forever. She could live like that. But then she thought of Kevin, and knew she wasn't the type of person to lounge through life. 
It was one of the reasons she moved out of Jack's home. She couldn't go through life playing. On the other hand, she had learned about living from Jack. He worked when the challenge interested him. When he didn't work, he played, but always with purpose, and usually to the benefit of someone else, like the children's soccer league he supported. Perhaps she could take the trust and do the same. Tess began to list things she might like to do if she didn't work, but could only come up with buying a chocolate factory or investing in couture lingerie companies. Giving up on planning her life, she decided to go over her case notes. But even that wasn't going very well. She focused on Charles's medical reports, thinking maybe there had been a suspicious accident or illness. But Charles Danforth was as healthy as his horses. Except for the vasectomy he got just prior to marrying Liv and the appendectomy three years ago, there was nothing unusual on his records. She remembered Wilson telling her about a near miss when hunting, and wondered if Wilson had set that up, or if it really was a negligent hunter. Or maybe someone else. Ultimately, she couldn't see the smoking gun in her notes. She wasn't sure she'd see it, even if there were neon-colored arrows pointing to it. She was exhausted, and her medication was wearing off, if the dull pain on her head and shoulder were any indication. She set her notes aside, changed into her sweatpants, took more medication, and lay down on the bed, hoping for a dreamless, peaceful sleep. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Tales from the Heart. I hope you enjoyed it, and you will be back to find out what happens next. Where is Jack? Remember, you can listen to full uncensored episodes over at ringstories.com forward slash Jenna Hart. And if you'd like to read along or get ahead in the story, you can get Old Flames Never Die from your favorite ebook retailer or save by buying direct from me. All the details and links you might need are just click away in the description. Now, don't miss the next episode. Hit the subscribe button so you know when it's posted. And thank you again for listening. Until next time, this is Jenna Hart wishing you peace, love, and happily ever after.